don't know about you, I, I just don't want to do this every week just for the sake of sitting and staring at the back of people's heads. I, I'm believing God for change and that, that God would do something because the world needs Jesus, I want to tell you. I'm reading today from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says this, if you love me, I love you, Jesus. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I think in today's world that we live in such a statement like that, like that passage could be seen as an insult or, a, or, or, or could be one that would be faced with uh, disdain because we live in a world today that is obsessed with three things, me, myself, and I. Our day in which we live perhaps is better reflected in the Old Testament verse, Judges 21 verse 25, where it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Does that not describe the day we live in? Yeah. Paul warned his son in the Lord, Timothy. He warned of a day of coming and increasing godlessness. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, he said to Timothy, he said, understand, understand that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And here's why. He said, for people will be lovers of self. And even as I read this through, I reflect on my own life. Does this describe who I am? What do I love? What do you love? For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. Well, I can see me sometimes right there. Unholy. We serve a holy God. That's just nice. No, he's a holy God. In the book of Revelation, it does not cry out. The seraphim, the cherubim do not cry out, love, love, love. They cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He is a holy God. Right. Unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. Does that not describe The days in which we live, brutal, not loving good. We live in a day where calling evil good and good, well, is good, evil. Treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, having a spirituality about them, but denying the power thereof. Everyone doing what was right in his own eyes. 
So this describes our day, and yet Jesus speaks to his uh, disciples. Jesus speaks to them. In John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, if you, but if you love me, it's talking about agape. It's not talking about a wishy-washy, uh, um, romanticized. It's talking about agape love, the highest form of self-sacrificial love. If you, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But here's the, here's the thing is I, I looked into this because I'm, I've been, as I said, processing how does the love of God, how do we outwork that in our lives? And as I was looking at this, what else did Jesus say about love in this particular chapter when he says these things? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He doesn't just say it once or twice. He says it in this one chapter four times. Four times he repeats this in different ways. It's like he wants to really nail this, this home. John 14, verse 21, that was verse 15. In John 14, verse 21, he says again, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And of course, I straight away go, well, what does that mean? The opposite is true. If I don't keep his commandments, what does that mean? If I don't keep his word, what does that mean? In John 14, verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. John, the next very next verse, John 14, verse 24, it says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And then Jesus says this, and the word that you hear, this, this, this word, this, all of these things that I'm saying, is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Now, I would be amiss right here if I did not tell you that woven like a strong thread between and through these four verses that I've just read out to you in John chapter 14 is the promise of the Holy Ghost. I'd be amiss if I did not tell you that that is running through all of those Verses. In fact, this very chapter is in the middle of one of Jesus' longest discourses in the New Testament. It starts in chapter 13. I don't have time to read it all, but it starts in John chapter 13 with the washing of the feet, where Jesus takes that towel, bends down, washes the feet of the disciples, demonstrating servanthood. That's in chapter 13, moves into chapter 14 where he's, these verses are mentioned, but weaving between it, he's saying, I need to go to the Father, but I am going to send a helper to you. I'm going to send a counselor to you, the, the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost. I'm going to send him to you. Chapter 15. And 16, uh, well, chapter 15 talks, he moves immediately on to the, the whole thing of I am the vine and you are the branches. And again, sometimes when we read, when we stop and actually read the red letters, when we read what Jesus says, when he, when he says, I want you need to abide in the vine, any branch that doesn't bear fruit, I'm gonna cut off. And the one that does bear fruit, I'm gonna prune, both are cut, ouch. And then it goes into chapter 16 and 17 and where, where he's, it finishes, the discourse finishes with three things. It finishes with Jesus saying a prayer for himself. 
a prayer for the disciples, and then a prayer for us, all those who would come to believe. And so in the middle of all of that guiding thread through all of this is your, the Holy Ghost will come. And he says the Holy Spirit will not just be with you, he will be in you. Because he goes on to say, I will not leave you as orphans. You will not be by yourself in this. He said the spirit of truth will come. He's not just the spirit, he's the spirit of truth. He's not just the spirit, he's the Holy Spirit. And I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus tells them. You, in other words, you won't, you won't be alone. Know, know, know that in this call to love him and to keep his commandments, Christ is in us at work by the Holy Spirit. You're not being left alone to struggle. And I hope you, hope you make it. Understand the power of God is in you and at work. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the enabling power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the helper, the Holy Spirit will be in you. Jesus said he'll be in you forever. John chapter 14, verse 16. And so with that context in mind, Jesus four times, just in this chapter alone, says, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep my words. What is Jesus saying here? I don't think it's complicated. I, I, I really don't. I think it's pretty simple. Jesus is saying, if you truly love me, the evidence of that or the natural outflow or outworking of that in your and my life is we would endeavor to keep and live out his word and his teachings, his commands in our daily lives. I've used that quote over the years. You know, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? The natural outflow of, of our love for him is that it would be evident in our lives the way we do our lives, our private lives, our, lives, our, public, our public life. So when confronted by a situation or temptation, we don't go or flow with the crowd or what everyone else is doing in our public or in our private lives at home or at work where others might bow down, where, where, where they might be willing to compromise, we're going to stand up and stand out. We will choose what's right over what's easy. Because we understand there is a high cost to low living. And I want my life... To please him, he called me. He, I, I did not choose him, he, he chose me, he called me. And I desire of my life to love him with all of my heart and with all of my soul, with all of my strength, with all of my mind. And because I love him, I desire to keep his commandments, and keep his word. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? 
For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. This is not talking about salvation. It's talking about the outworking. We know we're saved by grace. But it's talking about the outworking of his purposes in our life. Because as, as, he, as he does his work, there should be a change in us. There should be. He saved us from sin, not to sin. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. How did scholars see this Pastor, 16th century Bible scholar Matthew Henry, who I love to, who helps me in, in, in my study of the scriptures, he said, the surest evidence of our love to Christ is obedience to the laws of Christ. Love is the root, obedience is the fruit. Modern biblical scholar F.F. F. Bruce said this, love for God and obedience to God are so completely involved in each other that any one of them implies the other. Theologian Nathaniel Emmons put it this way, obedience to God is the most infallible evidence of sincere and supreme love to him. And so all it's saying is that if you love Jesus, you will keep his commandments, live out his word, his teachings. So do we. Do we. Do we, one, do we love Jesus? And if the answer is yes, we can go to number two. Then do we keep his commandments? Do we keep his word? If the answer is no, then we need to go back to number one. Do we love Jesus? Look, I know you love Jesus. I know we desire to love Jesus. Do you know as we hear his words what happens? inside? We suddenly realize how, how far we fall short. We suddenly realize because the law is powerless. But what the law was powerless to do, Christ did. And, and when you hear his words, when you actually take time to dig deep into his word, it will suddenly make you aware, oh my God, how far do, fall, how far do I fall short of him? How much do I need a savior? For I cannot do nothing in my own strength. Do we love Jesus if the answer is yes? Number two, do we keep his commandments, his, his, his word, or are there areas of our life where you're going right now? Yes in that area, yes in that area, but no here and no there. Come on, we're human. I know there'll be, there'll be areas of our lives where we're going, no. I'm not where I desire to be. That's why we, the sanctification process is, is ongoing in us. But I want us to ask the question in this moment, what needs to change? You know, as a preacher, it's so, and I can't help myself, son, I say, I want to fill every moment with words. And to, to, to say this, but I think sometimes in the craziness of the life we, uh, we, we now live, where things are occupying our time and space 24-7, where we can binge Netflix on demand, where we can grab whatever and pop to the mall and watch social media endlessly non-stop, all of which is nice but just trivial and meaningless. We don't stop and sila and pause and go, God, what needs to change? Because I want to tell you, we live in a day where too many Christians are trying to widen the narrow road. Yeah. 
What needs to change in us? Now, this is where I'd often get up the keyboard and have a nice moment, but I don't want to. I want to create an awkward moment where we just pause for a moment and look at our lives and just go, because who, I don't know what your week looks like. I, I talk to people and like, we're busy. So just stop right now for a moment and say, God, I love you. God, I desire to keep your word. I desire to follow. What needs to change? Right now, because I know the Holy Ghost speaks, he'll be speaking to different ones going, you need to sort that out. I, I know the Holy Spirit. He doesn't come to condemn. He doesn't come to go, go, you're useless, this and that, and please don't hear, don't hear that from me. He convicts. He just says, you need to stop that. You need to change that. What needs to change? Where have you been widening the road? It's a narrow road. Stop winding. Why, why, well, you can wind It's windy. <laughs> stop widening it. You know how, how we widen it? Just a little bit at a time. Yeah. That's just a little adjustment here. I don't want to be still. I want to invite the helper to come. Help the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the one who will convict us in regards to sin and righteousness. Speak to us now, even... In the silence. You know the hidden parts of me. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Because maybe we don't need to just reassess or realign. Maybe we just need to plain old repent. go, what am I doing? How am I living? It's my life between someone else and the world. What difference can they see? What, what about my life actually looks any different than anybody else out there? How can people see what, what, the, the light that I'm meant to be? How can anybody see? What, what is the difference when they see me? What's different? Because if we love him, and I know you do, then our desire, I pray, will be to keep his commandments and his word. So what needs to change? See, because Jesus said this, you can't serve two masters. You can't. You can't serve two masters. So who will be your master? People say you give the devil an inch, he'll be your ruler. Who will be your master? We can't serve two masters. What needs to change? Awkward silence. On purpose. Because we don't stop enough.
You don't stop enough to go, God, do you, are you happy with that? That part of my life? I mean, don't worry, I'm, not pre- I, I'm preaching to myself here. Don't, don't think I'm coming up all high and mighty. I tell you. The great 18th century evangelist, D.L. Moody, said this. He said, I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than with with any other man I've met. I want to say, I have more trouble with Adam White than any other man I've met. Anybody else have trouble with themselves? Come on, I mean, it's just like, I am the problem. Where do we need to realign in our private life, our public life? Where have I, I guess, where have I been making excuses? Where, where have I turned Christian liberty into license? Where do I need to step up, fess up, front up, and grow up? So that my life and deeds would more accurately reflect the deep love and devotion I have for him. Because I want my life and witness to look different to the world. For I love you, Jesus. And I desire to keep your word and keep your commandments. You know, we used to sing a chorus years ago. It said, Jesus, take me as I am. I can come no other way. And it's so true. When we come to Christ, we, when we come to the cross, he unconditionally accepts us. That's the beauty of the cross. He accepts us just as we are, even in this moment right now. With all of our sin and shame and all of our mess and distress, dirty, dusty and dry and thirsty, hurting and in need of healing, He accepts us exactly the way we are. The truth is when we We can always come to Calvary's cross and burden him with what burdens us. That's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't leave us on our own to sort of get over it and get by. I've said it many times over the years. That's what religion does. Religion says you better change and then you can come and follow. Sort out that, get a haircut, get rid of this, get rid of that. Change and you can follow. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, follow me and you will change. And this room is filled with people who are saying, I want to follow him. But here's the thing about him. He never keeps us. He'll accept us exactly the way we are, but he'll never keep us there. To the woman, he said, go. He didn't just say go. He said, go and sin no more. He's like, when he, he, he will accept us exactly the way we are, but he will never keep you there. He wants us to change and grow and move forward. And he will work that sanctification working in us. Justification is our position in him. Made right in him. Sanctification is him making us legally what we already are. Sorry, making us experientially what we already are positionally and legally in him. Christ in us, the hope of glory. He changes us. Jesus, take me as I am. I can come no other way.
As I said, we, when I speak these things, I know people go, man, I just fall short. But the beauty of this, we can come to Him today. Oh, I've been walking with the Lord for many years, you say, but you know today you need to come to Him. Because there are parts of your life that just need, you, you just know, they, they need fixing, they need adjustment, they, they, they need repentance. We know He will accept us just the way we are. Will you return to your first love? The love you had at first. He called us and chose us. Today we come to him saying, Jesus, take me as I am so that you can change me as you want me to be. That I might love God first with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. And I would seek to keep his word and his commands always. Jesus, take me as I am. I can come no other way. Take me deeper into you. Make my flesh life melt away. Make me like a precious stone, crystal clear and finely honed. Life of Jesus shining through, giving glory back to you. Amen. We come to you today. Come afresh. We bow down before our Maker. God, we give our lives afresh to you today. We need you. Change what needs to change. Do what needs to be done. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Would you stand?
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face. upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Peace in the storm. Peace in the battle. Peace in your heart. Peace in your mind. Peace in your family. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And everyone said, Amen. If you need prayer for